Peter Adam has said, we need pulpit-centered ministry, but not pulpit-restricted ministry. If the entire ecosystem, though, is to be healthy, if it's to stay focused and to stay faithful, if it's not to take on a life of its own and become an end in itself, but serve the gospel, then the Word must always be foundational to everything we do. It must constantly feed us, fuel us, and fire us up for every facet of gospel ministry. Murray Cable, the Dean of Ministry Development from Reformed Theological College in Melbourne, opens our episode for us today with a warning to make sure that the Word of God is foundational in all that we do. Now, why do we need to hear that? Well, you're going to have to keep listening as we unpack that just a little bit more. But you've tuned in now to episode two of the Reach Australia Framework podcast series. My name's Dave. I'm one of the consultants with the Reach Australia Network. And as we have worked with churches across our country, different denominations, with people in the development program and through our consultancy, what we've come to realize is that we need a framework of ministry so that we can start to make a difference across our great nation for the gospel. Statistically, we saw in our last episode, the vast majority of Australian churches are less than 150 people. It alerted us to the fact that we need to think seriously about mission across Australia. And as we think about Australia, what we're also starting to see is a sharp rise in the no religion category. Mark McCrindle has done a study into faith and belief in 2018, and some of the things he uncovered there were really helpful and quite alarming all at the same time. You see, in 2011, 22% of people identified as no religion. And then in 2018, that had climbed by 10% to 32%. That rate of change is so significant for us to come to terms with, especially when we think that in 1911, it was 0.4%. And then over the next 100 years to 2011, it grew by around 20%. And then what we've seen in the last few years is a very sharp rise in no religion. And what this tells us is that Australia is becoming more and more secular and Christians no longer are the majority. We have dropped from 61% of people identifying as Christians to 45%. Australia is becoming more and more secular and Christianity has gone from being seen as something that was in the majority and tolerated and at times celebrated. Now, we're happy that Christians are part of our community to now we are the minority and not tolerated and at times seen as outright dangerous with the mantra being we'd prefer if Christians, Christians and Christianity were not part of our community at all. And so we're starting to see we have a lot of work to do and we need to start to think together, what's this going to look like for us? That's why we need a framework, a framework that we can together use so that we can see an impact across Australia. Now, you've tuned in to the second episode 
of the Reach Australia Framework podcast series, Be Faithful to the Inputs. And what we're grappling with today is that foundational nature of Christian ministry, the Word of God and prayer. And let me say right up front that faithfulness is what we want. We want to see Christian ministers faithful to the gospel. But yet, I think if we don't see any fruitfulness, we want to ask ourselves some questions. A good way to put it is we want to be pulpit-centered, but not pulpit-restricted in our ministry. Now, as you remember, there are five episodes in this framework series. Last time, we looked at clarifying the big thing. Today, it's all about being faithful to the inputs. Next time, it's about building and taking responsibility. Our fourth episode, we're going to break it down. And in that fifth episode, we're going to start thinking ecosystems together. But right now, to kick us off in our Be Faithful to Inputs, let's head to Andrew Hurd, the Senior Minister at EV Church, as he starts to unpack this a little for us. Be faithful to inputs. Be faithful to inputs. Now, we talk the language of inputs and outputs around this place. You may have heard me bang on about this over the years and so on. Inputs are the things you kind of put into the work we're doing. Outputs are what comes out or the difference that the inputs make. Very simple kind of piece of language. Uh, Be faithful to inputs. Uh, That is, live live the gospel, preach the gospel. Um, Live before the holiness of God. Be faithful to coming to Isaiah 6 and in the scriptures seeing the glory and greatness, being humbled by God. Live that faithfully and preach it faithfully. Be faithful to delivering the word that is able to build people up and give them an inheritance. Imagine if every Sunday we could take people through the journey we've had. Do you know what I mean? Imagine if every Sunday you came and you were lifted up into the heavens and you saw again a renewed vision of who God is and what he's like and you were left humbled, broken, but then put back together by the grace of God in the work of Jesus Christ, forgiven, restored, empowered, enabled to go out and live. Imagine if that could happen regularly in our world. Be faithful to inputs. Let's make sure we understand this language that we're using of inputs and outputs. Now, across Reach Australia, we use the language of inputs and outputs. Uh, Inputs are simply the things that you put in, and outputs are the results of that, the things that come out of it. From a Christian ministry perspective, we can start to think about what are the ministry activities that we do, and what are their impacts? What are the things that happen? And you know, that's the sort of language that we're talking about here, but we need to be careful that we don't sort of say, you know, there's this direct correlation. The things you put out, this is what will happen. Like, you know, you're putting money in the machine and out comes, you know, the, the particular candy bar that you want. That's not what we're saying about how Christian ministry works. But we're also, we are saying that there is some correlation. We need to think carefully, given the outputs that we want, what do we need to put in so that we can start to see those results. So that there is some relationship between them. But even as we start to think about the relationship between them, just because there's a good output, a good end goal to sort of work towards, doesn't mean it doesn't matter what we put into the system. We have the best output ever, someone becoming a Christian, the gospel. But we can't just say that any input will do. 
We need to think very carefully about the inputs we put in. In fact, we need to be faithful to them. We need to uphold the gospel as we pursue the output of making mature disciples in ever-increasing number. We need to be faithful to the inputs. And so I think we need to acknowledge that there's a temptation, even with a good end, to not necessarily be faithful to the inputs, to skirt around some subjects that people might find uncomfortable. And this is why we need to hear Murray's warning from the very beginning of the episode. We need to hear this, that we need that foundational piece to stay foundational even as we pursue a really wonderful and glorious end goal of more and more people gathered around the throne room of God. And you start to see how this would potentially play out. In your own ministry, you've got a wonderful output goal of seeing more people saved, this great input, we're going to run some evangelistic courses uh, like most churches would do. Now you've got some decisions to make about what course do you actually put on? What, what do you do in that space? Because there's some courses and some things that will skirt around particular issues or not confront them, you know, particular issues about sin. You know, telling people that they are sinful, they're not right with God. It's an offensive message. Telling people that Jesus will return again to judge people. It's a tough thing to, to hear. And so we will be tempted to skirt around those things or maybe just not even mention them with that glorious goal of, hey, we want people to be converted. You know, there's that old sort of saying that your mission pastor is often the most dangerous person because they're pursuing this great goal. But what we need to be reminded of over and over again, and that's what this second piece of this framework is all about, and be faithful to the inputs. And so for the purpose of this episode, when we talk about being faithful to the inputs, we're talking about those foundational elements, the word of God and prayer. Let's listen to Murray Capel again as he expands a little more. Those of us who lead must be word-soaked. Our words and our works must be saturated with biblical truth, biblical thinking, biblical perspective. You might know Spurgeon's famous and beautiful comment about John Bunyan. He said, prick him anywhere, his blood is bibline. The very essence of the Bible flows from him. I love that quote that Murray alludes to there. It's Charles Spurgeon talking about John Bunyan. And this is what he says in full. Read anything by John Bunyan and you will see that it's almost like reading the Bible itself. Why, the man is a living Bible. Prick him anywhere and you'll find that his blood is bibline. The very essence of the Bible flows from him. And that's what we want and that's what we mean when we talk about be faithful to inputs. We want people who are so soaked in the word of God that they are all wrinkled up like they've been soaked in the bath. That's what we mean when we talk about being faithful to inputs. 
As we dig deeper into being faithful to inputs, there's two things we want to push back against. And the first one is pure pragmatism. Uh, And here, we don't want to just sort of say that the end justifies the means. And that's just pure pragmatism. We're not going to reach Australia just based on pragmatics, just searching for the next thing that works. We can't let our desire for growing churches run ahead of the pattern of ministry that Jesus has laid down for us. I mean, he says a number of times throughout the epistles, this is the order of ministry that he has given. And so we need to honor that. We need to be obedient to that. And that looks like we need to preach Jesus as Lord, whether our churches grow or whether they don't. And when we're not driven by pragmatics, we can also hang loosely with how people sort of come and go in and out of churches. We're not sort of in despair when a family leaves or when a family comes, we're not boasting about it. We're not driven by pragmatics. And it also means that we're not sort of, you know, driven by the latest fad, the latest thing that seems to work in terms of how we want our churches to run. Uh, When we do that, uh, church growth and that sort of pragmatic makes a very, very terrible God and leaves us with immature disciples in its wake. So we want to push back against pure pragmatics. If we are driven by pragmatics and a short time frame, you can start to see that as you accumulate people, you'll accumulate them by whatever means possible. You're not particularly concerned about their growth or their maturity. And so you start to see pragmatic starts to drive at that point. But if we take a longer time frame to this, we can start to say, yes, we actually want people to join our church. We, we want to grow, but we care about their maturity as well. So we can't just be driven by pragmatics. So the first thing that we've seen we're against is against rampant pragmatism, pure pragmatism. But the second thing we want to be against is no pragmatism whatsoever. That is, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater here. We do need to think about principled pragmatism. We, we need to think about what the impact of our ministry is. That is, we can't dispense with pragmatism altogether as if we just do this bit here in our lane and you know, it doesn't matter about anything else. That would be really unwise. And so we need to think about what it is that we're doing and the impact that it has. And so the idea of having principled pragmatism, because what sits underneath all pragmatism is a set of principles. And so we want to think carefully about what are the principles that we are doing and what is the impact that they are having. And so I guess on this side of things, we start to see this alternate God. If the pragmatism side is we're just going to change everything and anything, it doesn't matter what. On this side, we don't change anything at all. It's that gone of traditionalism that sort of says, this is what we're doing. We're never changing anything. Well, again, that would be really unwise to do. 
Uh, we need to think about what is the impact of our ministries. And so we need to think, what are the inputs that we're doing? Do we need to change them? We're not saying move away from being faithful to the word. We want to be upholding the faithfulness to the word, but we need to think carefully about what are the inputs that we are doing and keeping an eye on the outputs that are happening. So there are two things that we've seen that we are against, that pure pragmatism, uh, and we're against no pragmatism at all. We've sort of seen the corresponding sides of each of those arguments. But now let's dive into what we are for. And we are for faithfulness to the word, being faithful to our inputs and being faithful to that word of God and prayer. Think about the significance of the word with me just for a few moments. We see in Genesis chapter 1 that God creates by what? By words. He speaks and it happens. As you keep going, you see in Exodus that the words are given to Moses, words that people are to live by. We see in Isaiah that God's word goes out and does not return empty. We see that fulfillment of the word in John chapter 1 as the word comes to dwell amongst the people. The word becomes flesh. It becomes incarnate. What a wonderful, glorious mystery that that is, that the word comes to dwell amongst us. In Acts, we see the word starting to spread. In Romans, we hear that The word is instrumental in people coming to faith. In Revelation, we see people gathered around the throne, listening to the word of God. It's so instrumental in who we are because the word of God reveals God to us. It reveals his character, who he is, who he wants us to be. And the word also works with the spirit. Because the Spirit convicts us, as it says in John chapter 16, convicts us of the, of the truth and that judgment is coming. The Spirit illuminates the word for us. You know, the Spirit cuts us to the heart, just as it did with those two people that walked on the Emmaus Road with Jesus. They were cut to the heart as Jesus expounded the Scriptures. The Spirit worked. They were cut to the heart. And you start to see and hear the Spirit and the Word work together in our lives. And so you can't have one without the other, which is why when Paul comes and speaks to his friends at Corinth, he says, I didn't speak a message of my own power, but one that came with the Spirit and displaying the power of the Spirit. That is what it looks like, you know, to have the Word and be faithful to it. What we have seen is that the Word is the centre of Christian ministry. Jesus himself reminds us of this in Matthew chapter 4, where he says, Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so this is something for you and your Christian ministry to remember that you need to be faithful to inputs. You need the word to be the center of your ministry. It's a good reminder. It's a good point there where we can do a bit of a check and say, is that actually happening for you? But just as importantly as it is for the Christian ministry that you operate and work in, it's for you as well 
in your own self? Is the word the center of your Christian life? Let's listen to Murray again as he unpacks this a little bit for us. If we're not feeding our own souls on God's word, we'll look to ministry itself to fuel us for more ministry. And the fact is, there are many things in ministry that can fuel you for a time. Maybe you're fueled by people's compliments. As a people pleaser, you are fueled by pleasing people. But then you'll be drained as soon as people are displeased with you. Maybe you're fueled by the adrenaline of breaking new ground. You love action. You love new ventures. You, you love uh, taking fresh steps in gospel work. But then you'll be drained when in God's providence things slow down and when new steps are not possible or eventually when your own body slows down. Maybe you're fueled by your own inner drive and motivation and perfectionism, inwardly motivated to get the job done and to do it well. But then you'll be drained by the fact that the job is never done and it's never done perfectly. That, that kind of fuel, those kind of motivations to keep driving us forward in gospel ministry are really like trying to live on burgers and cookies on fried food and sugar. It will energize you for a while. You will even see yourself growing. <laughs> but you are not growing in the right kind of way. It will not sustain you long term. Sickness is coming. God and his grace has far better food for our souls. I want you to think for a moment about those beautiful words in Psalm 19. Verses 7 to 11, David is meditating on the beauty of the law, the Torah, God's word, his instruction, God's wisdom and grace for our lives. He says at the end of that little section in verse 11 that God's word is more precious than gold. It is of supreme value. He says it's sweeter than honey. It is delightful to taste. And then he says, it is rewarding. It pays great dividends. Time in God's word is never wasted time. There will be great returns from the time we soak ourselves in the scriptures. Well, Murray's right, isn't he? Uh, as disappointing as it is that burgers and cookies don't sustain us physically, in the same way as we look to feed our own soul, we need to go to something that's sweeter than honey itself, the Word of God to fuel our own ministry and our own selves. We need to be soaked in it. It's a wonderful word for us to remember. After the break... We are going to keep diving further into this principle of being faithful to the inputs that corresponds to this diagram. 
Now, remember, this podcast comes in three forms. Uh, it's on YouTube. There's an ebook as well as this podcast. And so you can view this diagram on the YouTube channel or you can view it at the ebook. And after the break, we're going to be hearing from Greg Lee, the senior pastor at Hunter Bible Church. And we're going to be hearing from Tony Payne as well from Campus Bible Study at UNSW. The reason I'm convinced the Registrar Development Program is a great opportunity uh, for you as a leader is, well, I, I wish I had an opportunity like this when I was leading churches. Uh, there is something profound in having clarity when you as a leader have been given the great privilege and responsibility of leading a church in God's mission and making disciples. And that is exactly what the program uh, seeks to help you do. Firstly, we have our uh, intensive program where you get together with the same cohort of pastors over two years and you wrestle and discuss and, and think through how you can develop yourself in leadership. You, you push into what it means for you to be a leader and what it looks like for you. You get to push into how you lead a team and you get to push into how do you lead a church that is passionate for growth in seeing people uh, become disciples and grow deep in maturity in their walk with Jesus. Secondly, the brilliant thing about the program is not only do you get great material that you wrestle with with others, you also get a consultation where you get to reflect on what is the situation in your church right now. These recommendations along with the intensives really help you uh, think through where you might be able to lead the church in the future. But thirdly, the last thing of the program that really helps tie it all together is that throughout the two years, you have a trained coach walking alongside you. This coaching relationship is where you get to marshal all the information you've got from the intensives, where you get to reflect on the recommendations made in the consultation, and the coach helps you work out what you are going to implement in your context. If you're interested, uh, check out our website at richaustralia.com.au. Welcome back to the second episode of the Reach Australia Framework podcast series. In our first episode, we saw clarify the big thing. And now we are looking at being faithful to the inputs. And as we look to be faithful to the inputs, one of the questions we want to ask ourselves that the word drives us to think about is what does a mature disciple actually look like? If we're driving towards Colossians chapter 1 verse 28, you know, to present everyone mature in Christ, what does that start to look like? What's the outcome that we want to see of our faithfulness here? And so perhaps you may even want to stop this uh, now and start writing down all the different things uh, that God would have you do or to, that you would understand a mature disciple would do. I think what you'll start to find, you'll come up with a really long list and there's all sorts of things that the scriptures push and point us towards in terms of being faithfulness to them, in terms of what God wants from us. And then if you went through and started to categorize each of those things, there's five main categories that you'll head towards. The first one being Godward attentive. 
you know, thinking about who God is, doing things in community, thinking about serving God, being on mission, and getting deep in the Word. Uh, let's hear now from Greg Lee. He's going to unpack these five areas for us just a little bit more. And so we want disciples who are um, deep in the Word. That, that is, the Word of God isn't just something that sits on a shelf. It's something that's part of every, every bit of their life. Um, they, they love the Word of God. They learn the Word of God. They live it out. They're growing in theology. Um, someone who's Godward attentive. Uh, in other words, it's not just that they've got a relationship with God, but uh, with the Word, but with the God who spoke that Word. Mm. And they love Him with all their heart, soul, mind and strength. Um, we want a disciple who's really engaged in church life. They've recognized that God has not saved them in a bubble. He saved them into a family, uh, into a kingdom. Mm. Uh, and that joining a church is not just about what it gives to me, but um, how we together can all love and serve Jesus. Uh, and so they're, they're actually community minded. Um, someone who is uh, maturing, um, uh, someone who's kind of growing to become more like Jesus, um, someone who's serving. Uh, they're actually um, engaged in church life so that they're making sacrificial decisions to care for people. Mm. That's the picture of what, of the disciple that we're trying to build towards. Yeah. Okay. So we've got our five categories that we've started to think in together. Now think about these around a five-sided shape, a pentagon. Where are you going to start to order particular ones? Where's Godward going to go? Where's Serve going to go? Where's Community? Does it even matter where they all sit? Let's listen to Tony Payne from Campus Bible Study of the University of New South Wales as he explains a little bit more about what goes where and what needs to sit at the bottom. Now, the Word of God is the fundamental ingredient in making apprentices. It's the lifeblood of the community of faith. I love the way in, uh, in Andrew's Pentagon that the word was at the bottom, fueling and firing and founding everything that happened right throughout the community in all its different parts. And so let's just stipulate that as a proposition that I won't spend any time arguing for, that the word of God is the foundation. Okay, so this is what Tony has shown us. He's shown us that the Word of God is really the thing that fuels and fires us. It's that foundational piece. It's the engine that sort of gets the whole car cranking. That whole five starts to move. It informs all the other sections that come to as, as part of those five sides. And really helpfully, Tony then says to us, put that deep in the Word, that faithful to inputs, that foundational piece of the word of God and prayer at the base of your Pentagon. Because what it then starts to do is it gives you the shape of all the other aspects. And we start to see how the word of God bleeds and informs all the other aspects. It starts to see how the word is so central to being Godward attentive. It helps us see that it's the Word of God we want to share in being on mission. It's the Word of God that starts to inform how we want to serve, whether that's formally or informally, and you know, helping facilitate the Word of God uh, or actually teaching the Word of God. 
And the word of God also tells us that we want to be doing things in community with one another, alongside one another. It's so important. And so you start to see how this is a foundational piece that sits right at the base of that Pentagon, informing and bleeding and shaping all the other areas of that particular shape. So given all of this, let me encourage you to be faithful to the word. Be faithful to the word of God in prayer in your ministry. Uh, let me take you back to a little bit of my own story here. I uh, remember last time I told you uh, we'd planted a church, started Bible college, you know, a couple of big things happening all in the one year. Now, the outcome that was set for me was two things. Make sure the doors were open every Sunday and make sure someone was there to preach each week. Now, if those were the outcomes that we were set out to achieve, I want to tell you that we absolutely nailed it. Give us an A+, plus, check those check boxes off because exactly what happened, that's what we hit. Every week the doors were opened and every week someone was there to preach. And I'm thankful for those people that picked up the keys and opened up every single week. I'm thankful for those brothers in Christ that helped me preach each and every week. But is there something about this at this particular point that doesn't feel right? Where you go, there should be a little bit more, shouldn't there? And let's listen to Murray Capel again. He pushes hard against this sort of way of thinking. Teaching and preaching and studying the Bible is not all that we do in ministry. In fact, if it is all that we do, there's a good chance that we are going to produce fat, puffed up, arrogant Christians, not mature disciples. Well, did you take that in from Murray? Teaching and preaching is not the whole picture. There's more to it. If that's all there is, then there's strong words from Murray where he talks about being fat and puffed up and arrogant disciples. That's not what we want. Andrew Heard pushes in the same vein where Murray was going. There is a place for getting organised. Do you know, it was, I, I, I listened to Gary, I listened to Gary expound the word and I thought, this is precious, do you know, this is, this is what I live for, to sit under the sound of God in his word. But then we had an opportunity to respond in song. Now that didn't just happen. It's a powerfully important piece of our experience together, but it took people to get organised and get practice to help us respond in an appropriate way. We do need to get organised to facilitate people having a full, rich experience of growing in Christ. This is exactly what happens in church. Now, we do have the standard church answers about how you get organised. You, you know, you preach on Sundays, you set up small groups, uh, you, you run youth groups and kids ministry. There's the kind of standard answers that we operate with. But are these the best structures? Are they most helpful? And I want to encourage us to rethink things. See, be clear on the big outcome, be faithful to inputs, but number three, break down that big outcome. Break it down. 
these things don't just happen as we respond well to the Word of God or that we have really great functioning small groups or community happens really well. We, we need to ask ourselves, what are the best structures to help us facilitate that holistic response and experience of the Word of God? Well, it's with that question ringing in our ears that we're going to start to draw this episode to a close. And what we've started to see here in this second episode is be faithful to the inputs. Have the word of God and prayer as that foundational thing you have for your Christian ministry, for the church that you run, but have it for yourself, soaked in the word of God for yourself. As you know, that quote was, so that you bleed Bible. But what about where we start to be left off here? What about this idea of this intentionality? Well, this is where we're going in our next episode. Episode three, take responsibility, build responsibility. We're going to dig in here more towards how does faithfulness and fruitfulness start to unwind itself in our Christian ministries. It's going to be really stimulating discussion, so I really hope you can join us for that. And don't forget, there's more episodes to come. Episode four, break it down. And episode five, thinking ecosystems. We've got some great Australian church music to showcase. Hope you can stick around for that. God bless and see you next time. Goes through the empty night. Oh Lord, are you hidden? Darkness calls beauty in the light. Oh Lord, do you see us when sorrow overwhelms our weary? Spirits from the
for 